Love the nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from ELFM. So, you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM. Broadcasting from Studio One at Chapel FM Arts Centre with Henry here on the desk. He's just rushed back from a school session over the road. Yay. <laughs> He's done very well. He's very happy. And we have two writers from who've been taking part in some workshops led by Barney Barnsley, the writer, also a local writer. And uh, Barney's been leading a series of wordplay workshops and this time on the, on the theme of darkness and light. Hence that first track, Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles, obviously. So, Barney, lovely to have you here. Thank you. Hello. And um, so tell us a little first about yeah, what, what, what you do as a writer and the kind of things you write, but also yeah, tell us a bit about the workshops and, and the theme. So I'm basically a memoir writer, so I write from life and have written a couple of books um, and I'm very interested in, in sensory writing, so working with all the senses um, so that the body's very involved with the writing that I do because I also have another life as a dancer and a movement teacher. So it's very important to me that, that the words are incorporated, that they're very physical and tangible. Uh, and I've worked as a journalist as well for many years and over the last 10, 15 years have taught uh, independently and at Leeds Playhouse, taught creative writing to lots and lots of lovely people, uh, encouraging them to uh, let fly, let fly with their imaginations, uh, mm. and they do. <laughs> and they certainly do. We've got two of them here today. Madeline, hello. Hello. And Gail. Hello. And Gail's been here quite a few times a before. A few times, yeah. yes, I have. <laughs> it's good to have you back. Um, so, yeah, Barney, tell us a little about the theme for this recent series of workshops and, and about some of the, the starting points, the kind of source material that you've used. Okay. So the wordplay workshops really came about because of lockdown. Um, we weren't able to meet, so I devised uh, day writing workshops where we would start on Zoom, have half an hour, um, choose a theme. I would choose a theme. So this time it was darkness and light. Theme, a theme that has excited me probably, which is um, how I can then get enthusiastic about it and get everybody else enthusiastic about it. 
And we were just coming out of winter with this last one. So the idea of that transference from darkness into light appealed to me. Um, so we start on Zoom. Then I send various resources to everybody who's taking part uh, via email. And it will be two pieces of writing, published writing. This time it was Byron and Emily Dickinson. Uh, two visual pieces, and it's the Roscoe paintings. Uh, and, and a Japanese, rather dark, surreal uh, Japanese artist uh, called Kazuo Akimoto. And two pieces of sound. And usually that's one piece that's classical and one contemporary piece. And each workshop, that is the format. Then people go away, I give them various writing challenges and they're on their own all day. They can just choose to use that time as they wish, be in touch with me via email or phone if they want to run anything past me. Then we reassemble in the evening and people read. Uh, we have a, a kind of reading performance on Zoom followed up by an anthology. So it's a complete day in which people give free reign to their creativity. It's a really lovely idea. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? I mean, in a way, it has sort of grown from pandemic times with the use of Zoom, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It was it was born out of necessity, really, yeah. Yeah. Um, and worked far better than I had anticipated. I first put the idea just to people who I'd worked with in person and said, look, this is a bit mad. I'm not sure if this is going to work. Would you like to do it? And people did want to do it, and they continue to want to do it. Mm. So it's lovely. Oh, we we meet every so often, not too often. We don't want to get um, mm. we don't want it to get stale. Um, but people are always very enthusiastic, and we've had lots of different themes. So we had the color blue was a theme, flight, uh, and this time darkness and light. Well, and we, we featured writing from the blue theme yes. uh, a few months ago, probably six six months ago. So tell us, uh, you, we're going to start by hearing a piece, I think, that you've used as source material, a piece by Max Richter. Can maybe say, say something about that, if you would? Yes, I would, uh, it, Max Richter, I'm quite mesmerised by. He did a whole album called Sleep. Um, uh, so uh, some of his music is very mesmerising. And this piece called She Remembers is one of those kind of pieces. And it's very much, for me, had a real resonance of darkness and the night. So this was one of the stimuli that I sent through to people. Thank you. 
I had a dream, which was not all a dream. The bright sun was extinguished, and the stars did wander darkling in the eternal space, rayless and pathless, and the icy earth swung blind and blackening in the moonless air. Morn came and went and came and brought no day, and men forgot their passions in the dread of this, their desolation, and all hearts were chilled into a selfish prayer for light. The waves were dead, the tides were in their grave, the moon, their mistress, had expired before. The winds were withered in the stagnant air, and the clouds perished. Darkness had no need of aid from them. She was the universe. So that was Darkness, or a section of it, by Lord Byron. So tell us, Barney, about the place of that in your workshops. This was one of the stimuli that I sent through, an extraordinary poem that was uh, written in the 19th century, 1815, uh, when there was a massive volcano. Madeline's going to speak a little bit more about it because later because uh, it inspired the poem that she's written. Um, but the whole world went dark, and of course there was no way of knowing what on earth was going on? Because there was no communication across. Um, and it really struck me as such an apocalyptic poem, such a dark, dark poem. It had a real dark energy about it. Um, so I thought, well, I'll throw this at people, see what they make of it. And it seems very, very relevant to now. And, uh, yeah, uh, climate crisis. Absolutely. And there's um, another piece that you use as well by Mary Holmes. Are you going to... Uh, this is one that was written during the day. Um, Mary Holmes was someone who came to the workshop and she wrote a piece of free verse that Gail's going to read now. And it's called Dark and Light. Dark and Light. Is darkness the absence of light? Is light when there is no darkness? Colour and mood all change as the quality of light and dark shifts. Times when I have felt only darkness, depths of misery. Joy abounding from a life full of light. The ever-shifting cycle of life. Thanks, Gail. That was her Dark and Light by Mary Holmes. So we're going to hear a poem now, or a piece rather, by Joan Bosomworth. Uh, Barney, tell us about this. Yeah. So Joan's a really, really interesting writer. She comes to the Playhouse, um, Leeds Playhouse, where I run creative writing uh, sessions every week for Heydays. And Joan writes very powerful memories from her own childhood in Bradford and the environment of Bradford. Um, and the theme darkness really spoke to her um, in that way that it took her right back to her childhood in the 1950s and a very, very specific time, place and mood. So Madeline's going to read mm. Darkness by Joan Bosomworth. Darkness. An early morning in 1950s Bradford, a town renowned for its woolen industry. In one of its many terrace houses, my family stirs. It's dark, very dark. No sign of the sunrise. Opening the curtain, I look out. I rub the pane. 
it seems steamed up. But no, the gloom is outside. It's another pea super, really thick smog. Those dark satanic mills belching out smoke and November fog create this dreadful condition. Breakfast finished, I head off to school. I can hardly see the houses across the street. Beyond a few yards, I see nothing, but the way is familiar. It is eerily quiet as the thick blanket deadens all sound. Even the clanking steam trains at the station close by seem distant. I reach out to feel the railings at the side of the steps. Treading carefully, I walk across the street, straining to listen for any approaching traffic. I feel for the curb edge. I can smell the sulphur that is swirling around in this putrid air. No clean air act then. Little did we realise the problems our cosy coal fires made. I can taste it too, acrid in the mouth, burning my throat. I pull my scarf tight around my nose and mouth. Dad has to walk home from work. Bus is all stopped. When he takes off the scarf around his face, we laugh. It's completely black round his eyes and forehead and white where it's been covered. Were these really the good old days? <laughs> yes, indeed. That was Darkness by Joan Pusmworth, read by Madeline. Thank you very much, Madeline. So we're going to hear now um, something called Light and Dark, um, which was written by Tammy, um, who sadly can't be here today, but we say hello to her. She's listening. Yes, indeed. Yeah, this is by Tamara McClaug, and um, she's actually sent a little bit through to me to talk about how uh, she was inspired to write this. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to read out what she what she wrote to me. I had an image uh, for the title "Light and Dark" of a black hand holding a white hand. I liked the idea of two people joining in harmony and the beauty of it. The image then developed as a sculpture, turning and dancing as two bodies became one. I wasn't sure where this was heading or how to come to a conclusion. I re-looked at the inspirations that Barney had given us. The painting by Rothko with the honey-coloured sense of hope, as though bringing a new dawn, seemed to gel with the feeling of what I wanted to portray. Uh, it's worth saying that Tamara is a choreographer and a dancer, so it's really interesting how she interpreted the particular theme. Light and dark. My hand interlaced with yours, light against dark. My arms weaved with yours, light against dark. My legs entwined with yours, light against dark, my body entangled with yours, light against dark, together a mixture of golden honey as the rising sun kisses the dawn. Thank you. That was by Tamara Tammy McClough. And uh, yeah, you're going to read something now by Chris Benstead. 
called The Darkest Path. Isn't that the Chris who does the music? It is ah, Chris who does the music, indeed. And I think character. there is a certain musicality to his writing, I have to say. Excellent. Um, I set a specific challenge which he um, took up, which is to write a short story, very short story, in three paragraphs um, about someone being followed and in which the real character is the darkness itself. So that was the, the stimulus that he took up. It's called The Darkest Path. Thursday, November 17th, 11.30pm. Two sets of footsteps along the estuary path. One ahead, one behind. The length of eight small rowing skiffs separates the synchronised paces. The moon falls intermittently across water and path as the racing clouds meet and briefly part in a troubled sky. The one ahead stops. The one behind stops too. The first one hears only his breathing, short, fast. The second hears only wind in the trees and the gentle lapping of water. Eyes strain and strain again. Moonlight, briefly. Shapes, shadows, and then darkness once more. The one ahead sets off again. The one behind follows suit. Footsteps slap on the path in uncomfortable, unspoken synchronicity. Dark shapes of tree and foliage to the left. Cold water to the right. The first one quickens his pace, breaks into a run. The path has now become a mud track, darkness concealing jagged stones, roots and badger droppings. The one behind runs too. He knows where they are headed. If only he can catch his friend in time. Great, thank you. That was The Darkest Path by Chris Benstead. So, Darkness and Light now um, by Madeline. So, yeah, are you going to introduce us, Barney, or are you going to, Madeline? I say something about the form of the poem, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, which was that I offered to people if you want to write a poem on darkness and light rather than just darkness or light, um, and it could be free verse, but Madeline is extremely good at sonnets, and there's also the uh, option of doing something a little bit more Shakespearean, some blank verse. So, so this is blank verse. Um, so non-rhyming but iambic pentameter in the Shakespearean fashion, ten syllables per line. Darkness and light. I was struck very forcibly, forcibly by Byron's poem, by its emotional punch and complexity. He paints a picture of the aftermath of the volcanic eruption of Mount Tambora in Indonesia in 1815. It's as though the whole of nature is paralysed, terrified. The world was void, is how he puts it. The rhythms of nature have ceased. Creation has died. Darkness appears to be victorious. It is stark stuff. But for me, 1815 means the Battle of Waterloo and a past war in Europe. Our writing day happened, of course, just a few days before the invasion of Ukraine started. 
We were seeing pictures and hearing news reports of Russian troops and tanks amassed on the Ukrainian border. There was fear and uncertainty about how this drama would unfold. And I tried to express something of this in my poem. Is it all hopeless? Or is there an opening, a possibility for hope to enter into the situation? <clears throat> the darkness lifts and snow wakes suddenly along the ridge with distant tanks outlined and villagers resume a weary watch. The sun inspects the ugly evidence of raw suspicion, fear of otherness, the toys of power arrayed to scare and mock. What light can free the human soul from fear? What sun can melt the ice of cruel mistrust? Thank you very much, Madeline. And uh, we're going to hear some music now uh, by Grieg. Um, and Bunny, tell us why you've chosen this and how you used it. Yeah, we're t uh, turning our faces to the light, really. Um, and this uh, felt like a lovely um, counterbalance to the Max Richter. It's very sort of dark and quiet and calm. Uh, and this is from Pierre Gint. It's called Morning Mood. So that was from uh, Grieg's Piergint Morning Mood. And we're into light, perhaps, now. We got very dark there, indeed, a few minutes ago, and, and quite justly, too, talking about such things as we see in the world at the moment. But, uh, yes, we're going to hear um, something read by Gail. Tell us about this Emily Dickinson piece, Bonnie. So, again, this was um, one of the written stimuli that I sent through to people um, and it just struck me. It's a very beautiful uh, piece uh, called A Light Exists in Spring about the very particular light uh, that comes at the beginning of spring. A light exists in spring 
not present on the year at any other period, when March is scarcely here. A colour stands abroad on solitary hills that science cannot overtake, but human nature feels. It waits upon the lawn, it shows the furthest tree upon the furthest slope you know. It almost speaks to you. Then, as horizons step or noons report away, without the formula of sound, it passes and we stay. A quality of loss affecting our content, as trade had suddenly encroached upon a sacrament. Beautifully read, Gail. Quite hard. The punctuation is interesting, isn't it, with our Emily? Good. So, um... Yeah, we're going to hear a piece now uh, by Margaret Halsey, which I'm going to read. Um, and I met Margaret recently at a, at a, at a performance of Macbeth. We, we were sitting next to each other. I didn't, I, I, yeah, we just got talking and then she mentioned Barney and then we got going, really. So we sat there naturally, <laughs> not all through the play, only in the interval. And um, so, yeah, tell us about this one, Barney. So this piece um, is a lovely piece of prose um, and... The invitation was to write something very sensory about uh, about light. And I remember Margaret talking to me before she went on this trip. She went to the desert. This is a few years ago. And I remember her being very, very nervous, not surprisingly, about going off to the desert. And then her experience was so extraordinary. So I was delighted that she's revisited it here in, in this piece of prose. Um, yeah, which you're going to read for us now, Peter. It's called Light. All across the desert, beautifully patterned rocks of hard stone punctuated the skyline. We were all sleeping outside in a sheltered area, glad to be out of the punishing heat of the day. As I awoke in a soft grey light, I felt apprehensive about the desert's dangers, and particularly the sand vipers, which could inflict a deadly poison. Then I noticed one of my travelling companions walking over the sand towards an area which was wide open to the sky. Its peace, solitude and quiet were awe-inspiring, so I followed in her footsteps and looked out to the east. A small pink crescent was appearing on the horizon, slowly rising, turning orange and then pale yellow, with its rays taking over the sky. Within 15 minutes, the sun had arrived and the landscape was flooded with light. The rock formations had regained their full colour, the colours in the sand had returned, and my fear had been banished. Now I could see the potential hazards of desert life properly, and just as importantly, wash, dress, and make my way to our communal breakfast. That's a piece by Margaret Halsey called Light. So we've got our final uh, poem now, In the Dark, by Gail Mosley. So tell us about this, Barney, or, or Gail. I'm going to yeah go straight over to Gail to, to <clears throat> see what's inspired Gail for this one. Yes, well, when, when we started the day, um, we, we did what we often do, which is to uh, do some what we call automatic writing, where we just put pen to paper for a few minutes and the topic was darkness and I just wrote without stopping. 
And what I came up with was um, the idea of waking up in, in a dark room in the middle of the night. It's about three o'clock in the morning and you suddenly realise, oh, no, it's not, nowhere near morning yet. And all the dark thoughts and the dark worries sort of impinge on you and you try and get back to sleep. Um, and it's such a, oh, it's a negative sort of thing. And then I thought, well, it, it's, it's only part of the, of the cycle anyway. Um, why am I fighting it? Or why do I fight it? Um, so I thought, well, maybe there's a way of turning it round and using it. Uh, and I got the idea of, of the darkness being uh, more of a comfort and a, and a, a sort of a cushion. Um, cushion against the day, which is what I, I, I put in the poem. Uh, so here it is. In the dark. When you wake in disbelief to three chimes from the clock, so long to wait for pitch-dark fears to dissipate, don't try to fight your way back into sleep. Don't grope towards the curtains to let some trace of tawdry streetlight in. Think instead of dark as cushion against the day. Sink softly, stretch and curl. So long to wait, a blessing of the night. Lovely. Thanks, Gail. I've, I have to say, I've never seen a poem of yours that's much longer than that. They're very short. Very short. <laughs> they do tend to be short, I'm afraid, yes. I mean, deliciously short, so that, uh, no, not, not, not a fault at all. Lovely. Well, thank you. Thanks ever so much for the writing and for, for telling us about these, uh, these wonderful workshops and what you've been doing. But, but before we go, it'd be really um, lovely to just hear a bit about, from the writers, first of all, uh, yeah, about yeah, what, what, what do you get from that rather lovely sounding day Margaret first of all Madeline I'm sorry oh dear um, I suppose I'm excited by words um, anyway and I am regularly excited by the kind of stimuli that that um, Barney gives us for these these days um, and sometimes it's the visual things that appear, sort of get my imagination going. Um, sometimes it's a, 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 a poem or, or whatever of somebody else. Um, it varies, but I enjoy words more and more as I get older, I think. Mm. I sometimes invent words, which isn't exactly... I, I don't know, but I guess you're allowed to. Um, but, yes, I enjoy playing with words and seeing what are the possibilities of imagery and links between different images. I tend, I suppose, to go for a fairly minimalist approach, so things tend to be short rather than longer. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but you could just open a book of paintings by Rothko or yes. you could listen to a piece of music. Why do you yes. need to go to a day? Run by Barney. What's what's different? Well, it's that? somebody else has, has has provided it and and combined those particular stimuli together. Right. Yeah, um, I think that is quite an art in itself. I suppose there's also the structure of a day. You wake up in the morning, you know you're going to get these yes. images, and there's you've a... got the day to do the writing. Yeah, there's the, the discipline of it. Yeah, the pressure of a deadline. Yeah. Yes, and, and, and it means I'm excused from doing other things. <laughs> 
quite right. To some extent. We do have to do this, don't we? We have to oh, justify, yeah. our, the, yes. justify ourselves doing things that we really like to do. Indeed. It's a funny yes. thing. Yes. Um, we put off the things that we really enjoy doing because other things to do, I know. Um, Gail, what about you? I think it's partly um, being in a group, even though it's on Zoom. Um, you're with other people and swap ideas and, you know start off in one direction and, and then get to a different angle on things which you wouldn't do on your own mm-hmm. um, and the, the stimuli are, are good too but it's um, it, it's just getting you started on something which you might not have started on your own um, which which I find I just need need ideas mm-hmm. and uh, and new directions to go in really and is the sharing at the end of the day important, or would you bus- just be content to write during the afternoon and go right, put it in there? No, the I think I think it's lovely at the end of the day to hear everybody else's all so different. Yes. Um, you know what 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 we've got out of it. Yeah. So what's different about it being you're being at home? Would you? I mean, because in the past you might have just gone along to a writing day somewhere like Chapel FM and done a whole day's writing. Is it what's the difference between doing that and being at home and doing it? Yes, it's it's a strange sort of setup really because um you you go off and do your, your normal everyday things and then I think, oh no, I better get on and do the writing now. And um and then you've got you've got um a reason for doing the writing, you know, um not an excuse exactly, but um you're allowed to do it. And you've got, and having the deadline helps as well. Yeah, yeah. And knowing, I suppose, that other people are, are doing that as yes, well. They're making time right, during yes. their day. They're yeah. pottering about doing what we do um, in the garden or whatever, or you know, making cups of tea. But maybe those things are you're thinking about them. Whereas if you're in a writing group, maybe in a in a building, <clears throat> you have to be writing all the time. As opposed to mm. you know, be at home, you can do other things. And that's something I've, it's quite an important part of writing, isn't it? I go out for a walk. I'm listening. I'm thinking about what I'm writing. I'm do some shopping. I'm thinking about what I'm yes, writing. Yes, yeah, and go out for a walk as well. Yeah. I yeah. think the going out for a walk is quite important because you're making contact again with the the outside world, the the sky, birds, and all the rest of it. Mm. Whatever's happening out there, and I find that sort of has its impact on what you what you mm. write. Mm. And Barney, what about you? Do you do you do you, do you enjoy? You've run you've run lots of workshops in all sorts of situations in the past. This form is it pleasing to you? Oh, it's so pleasing! <laughs> First time I did it. Um, I, as I say, I just sent this idea out to people and said, I've no idea if this is going to work. I mean, it seems slightly crackers, but let's give it a go if you want to. Um, and the result was so lovely um, that I was really heartened by it. And it was interesting because the first time we did it, I was kind of pacing around thinking, what are they doing? <laughs> well, like, you know, what back. are my charges doing? <laughs> yes, yes. Are they writing? Yes, and will they come back? And will anything happen? Mm. And then this extraordinary thing does happen, and that always amazes me about people. Anyway, that that something beautiful always emerges. You know, you give a stimulus to people, and it doesn't matter who they are; they come up with something yeah. beautiful. Um, so they are re- particularly satisfying for me, I think. And also because it's very complete. So, you know, in other situations, I might be doing a term of writing with people. Or I suppose on a day, um, if I was doing a day workshop in person, then that would be complete as well. But having this sense, as, uh, um, as Gail and Madeline have said, of, of being able to be quite free 
of people just being free where it can be backgrounded. And that is an absolutely vital part of creativity, I think. It's backgrounded, mm. and then, but it's being worked on. Um, it's like turning the soil, you know. Um, and then, but then that coming back together at the end is always very lovely. Because, of course, unless people ring me, sometimes they do, they have the invitation if they want to talk something over with me or email me, and um, some do and some don't. But in the main, I do not know what's going to come at the end of the day. So it's a kind of this beautiful gift at the end of the day. I really mm. love it. Yeah, it's, um, it's very, Good. very satisfying. So do you know what the next one's going to be? Yes. I've right. been thinking about this. And uh, it's going to be travelling. Mm. It's just called travelling. Travelling. Who knows where that will take us? Okay, to well. other worlds, maybe. <laughs> Book a slot on Love the Words and read some of the writing yeah, in the future whenever you're doing that. For sure. So thanks ever so much for coming on. We're going to hear uh, some of the music which, with which we started from the Beatles. And then we're going to hear uh, an interview with James Lewis Miranda Bay's new, uh, his new collection of poetry, which he's very excited about, coming out in a couple of months. You're listening to Love the Words on East Leeds FM. Love the nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from ELFM. So you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM. And it's always a pleasure to have James Lewis Moran in Studio One. Hello, James. Hello again. Great to have you here. So we've just had the writing group. Have yep. you enjoyed yourself? I really have. Um, I wrote a piece that will possibly make its way into a future collection, Secondhand Stories. 
excellent looking forward to that but in the meantime you've got a new collection out last december i believe called natural words that's correct yeah got it sorted just in time for christmas deadline Turns out I've been publishing a book each year, so a um, little bit stressed, but I got it done just in time. Excellent. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's a good rate. That's a very productive rate. Mm. Yeah, so no more this year, but in 2023 you'll have a new one. Oh, yes. I've got plenty of collections to keep me busy for the foreseeable future. Probably four or five books. Excellent. Well, tell us a little about Natural Words and why it's called that and, and what the, the sort of thematic content of it. Yeah, um, basically, uh, like anyone, I was writing about nature and I was originally just going to group these together, hence the title, uh, Natural Words or Nature Words. Um, but then it kind of expanded into stories about light and, you know, those feelings associations that we have. Um, and as I found my way through this, uh, it ended up being about um you know, feel-good moments and, you know, comforting stories, which um, the importance of connection in the pandemic was, well, where do you start with that? It, it, it was needed. Connection is needed. And that's kind of what birthed this collection. Absolutely. So it's about connection. And that's a great, great theme for the last two <clears> years. <throat> Read us a poem, if you would. Okay. So this first one is about the soundscape of the city and how it changes over time. The city speaks in amber glows, rumbling engines, bells, car horns and shouts, in discarded paperwork and fast food packets. See the foxes and rats sifting through bins, the many blinding lights and signs, red, green, red, green. Hear the plastic bottles, hear glass bowls, been spilled and smashed, the splash of puddles, the rain as it patters on broken umbrellas, boots as they fud on the ground, refusing the taxi fares. Slow down, drive fast, the city aches for your attention. One moment of your time pleads to catch its breath. Please help me, spare some change. The city speaks, the city builds, the city fades away. Yeah, and that absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think we we were very acutely aware of sound, weren't we, in the mm. pandemic? You know, the, the, the suddenly various sounds came to the fore. There was certainly a deathly silence and the emptiness of the streets. It it was surreal. It really was. It was, and then also when it came back, you know, we were suddenly more aware mm. of those sounds. And I think those are, you know, obviously that poem really listens to the sounds of a city lovely stuff yeah so you've uh, in terms of themes you've you've covered a fair few we've well, covered four in the previous net in the in your collection now, yeah. tell us about the other three so uh the first one um dare i disturb the universe again because unfortunately i had to rewrite three times you've got to let these projects settle <laughs> otherwise you will end up going back to it and thinking i could have changed that <laughs> And uh, that one was kind of me finding my feet um, where I stand as a writer. And also it seemed to be about me being undiagnosed um, and then getting my diagnosis as an autistic person. Uh, following on from that, there was um, Unsent Love Letters, which kind of grouped together the romantic feelings, the survivor's guilt of, a, of an emotional breakup, and also just that... Um, that false sense of what a relationship is that we get from films and, and, and grounding that in reality and 
understanding that it's not all, you know, sunshine and roses. It, it, there's there's a hardship that sometimes goes with relationships. And then, um, before natural words, there was uh, poverty and politics. More angsty, more angry, more nihilistic about the future and groups together my experiences of poverty and um, growing up on the estate of Seacroft, but also um, my, well, just all the stories that I've gathered from being in the Poverty Truth Commissions across Leeds. And I wanted to do something constructive with that. I wanted to, to showcase that, you know, there is um, a sense of resilience in poverty. And, but, you know, there's also stories that need to be heard. Uh, kids that are taken advantage of by gangs and stuff. Um, but then moving on to this natural words. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's that's a real, a real spread, a real gamut there of thematic content. You're always looking around. I know, and you're all very rooted in in Seacroft. You all your work is. Uh, you're a Seacroft poet, and I think, yeah, I think proud to be so. I suspect. Yeah, as quite, it says. Uh, rightly. Proudly from Seacroft Leeds, <laughs> yeah, on the back of the, <laughs> on the back of the book, absolutely, and and you've got a new collection you're working on. Tell us a bit about that if you can uh, if you can sneak us a preview. Yeah, sure. So the one that I'm currently working on, it's on its second draft right now, is called Sea Words. Same again. I was grouping together the stories of of water, of darkness, and grief, and then the main core theme seems to be that fear of mental health and how how do you even quantify what you're feeling if you struggle with those feelings and kind of making sense of it in a way that a reader would appreciate um, rather than doing the whole woe is me. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's a challenge to write about mental health, to do it in a way that, that isn't full of self-loathing. Um, at least I'm trying. <laughs> we'll see how it turns out, but it's uh, shaping up well, I'd like to think. Absolutely, I've sea words. A, I've uh, your sea words, as in S E A. Yes, the sea. The sea, sea has words. words to share. Absolutely, and there are some poems about the sea set in Whitby, uh, which are very evocative of that place. So lovely stuff, James. It's and uh, where can we? Before we hear some more poems to finish off with, how, where can we get hold of the book? Uh, well, once it's eventually out, which should be in maybe a month or two, if all goes according to plan, same place as all my other books on Amazon and Kindle, yeah. um, as a paperback or ebook. But most importantly, if you write your reviews on Goodreads, their website doesn't delete a person's entire review history like Amazon as robots can do at the drop of a hat. <laughs> and I'd appreciate that. I have an author's page on there. Right, so this book is called Natural Words by mm. James Lewis Moran. Let's hear a few poems to finish off with. You've got three. Yes. Yeah. Great. Um, this one I wrote about just Zoom was a was an experience, is an experience. And I wrote about that. Fear of Zoom. Fear of Zoom in techno times when hands turn clammy and laptops blake. A sudden Wi-Fi problem, a calamity. Fear of Zoom, of camera face-to-face, -face, forgot the lighting. Hair's messy again. It's safer here on mute. Don't ask me to be seen. So many notes again we tried, logged in and out until anger flared. I'm ready to call it quits, to live tech-free. One day we'll meet again face-to-face, -face, know the treasure of meeting for tea. Yet until that blessed day of release, 
fear of Zoom. It follows me. Uh, karaoke night. Have you ever sung to a song you didn't enjoy? Out of tune and drunk, found yourself on a surprise date night with delicious vegetarian sushi and neon lights. Perhaps we stumbled on the cobbled paths, tripped head over heels into the karaoke bar whilst on search for the theatre or comic book shop. For the best, we downed our spirits and sung along to the stag do, intimidated by the blocked exits and crowds of people. This song is full of cringe-inducing lyrics. The drunken crowd around us sways in pantomime actions. Up next, the obligatory Tony Christie and Is this the way to Amarillo? Somebody pass me the amaretto. My bed, she waits for me. Shalala. (laughs) And then lastly, serenaded by a boat. Their name was simply Trevor. They were tethered to the moon on light night here in Leeds. On mornings, there's the sound of rust, of angle grinders, strained industrial power tools hard at work. See swans as they nibble on the water lines, weeds. Watch those still tides as they sway, the hum and pulse of a diesel engine. Hear that squeal and metallic crunch of a lock gate, as its cast-iron cogs fud and twist, listen to the skipper's song, A River's Tune. Yeah, lovely poems, James. And it's a nice cover, too, of the, of Natural Words. Tell us about that. So, yeah, um, I noticed that in the past, when Charbel FM had a different kind of library, it was just a showcase wall of shelves, um, people used to display the covers of their books, like, you know, pieces of art and pictures. And I, I wanted to do like a picture frame version of that and uh it's it's a nice little framed picture that i think people would like it would catch the eye and has a kind of warm feel into it of, of tulips and um even has a nameplate for people to write the name of of the uh of the owner of said book if they do buy it which uh, i quite liked <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that book and your other books are in our library. You could actually, uh, we we could display them here, you know. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, display them face on. Um, But yeah, the Helen Burke Memorial Library, we've got Burke's Books, uh, where we have lots of books by local writers. Mm -hmm. Not to borrow, but to look at and then to buy, hopefully. Good for for local writers' business. So thanks very much, James. Thank you. Love the cases, love the clauses, love the adverbs and the antecedents, love the words. From ELFM. Mm-hmm.